Um, last week, uh, we started this Advent series uh, in Isaiah 9, verse 6, and with the reality that we, uh, that Jesus is victorious, amen? That the battle has already been won. Like, we don't have to continue to fight, right? It's, it, it, we, we are still in this, as I called last week, this garbage time, right? The age is not over yet, where uh, there is still some lingering fights that need to happen. But Satan is a defeated enemy. Sin is a defeated enemy. Death is a defeated enemy. Its defeat is sure. The clock just hasn't run out yet, <laughs> And so it's continuing to fight back and trying to score some points in the last few seconds. But the victory has won. And we who are in Christ get to enjoy that victory with them. We don't have to be concerned with losing the game. <laughs> we are on the right side, the winning side. Jesus... Um, his names are given. We considered wonderful counselor last week and how wonderful he is indeed. This week, mighty God, as Laura pointed out. And the question has to be asked, asked even though it seems simple, and it is simple, but what is mighty? <laughs> mighty simply, I think, is the, the, uh, the, the possession of great power. And as I considered the possession of great power and what does power mean, I kind of saw three things kind of come to light. First of all, power is just strength, physical strength, the ability to do what he wants to do. There's nothing in all of creation that can prevent God's will from happening. What he decides to do will be done. That is the kind of strength that Jesus has. Power also, I think, exists within control. The ability to control outcomes. The ability to control what is going to happen. To di dictate, if you will, what is going to happen. And again, we see that Jesus has this control. He has the power to control the outcomes of the world. Now, we can get a bit critical sometimes of Jesus. Why, Lord, are you allowing so many horrible things to continue to happen? If the victory indeed has been won, then why do you tarry? Why do you allow sin and evil and destruction to continue to wreak havoc in our world? But the truth is, is that Jesus is in control. He hasn't lost control. He is in control. As we've talked before, the world has been shaking over the last couple of years as we've walked through the pandemic. And then this church over this last year, we've seen things shaking. There is an earthquake happening, but it is not Satan who is shaking the foundations of the world of creation. It is God who is shaking the foundations because it is his will and he is in control. The third area of power would be, I think, in knowledge to know what is true, to know what is real. And Jesus, of course, knows all truth, not just what is real today, not just what is real in the past, but he even knows what's real in the future. 
He knows what's true in all situations. He's never confused or deceived by our tricks or trying to deceive him in some way or tell him a story. He knows what is real. This is why we go to him in discovery not just of who he is, but in discovery of who we are because he knows the real us. And when we understand how he views us, when we understand how he has created us, that we are able to walk this life as ourself, as we've been created for. So what is mighty God? What is mighty? It's the possession of great power. Power of strength, power of control, power of knowledge. Our world loves power, amen? <laughs> we see in our world right now the, the, the continuing, and this is not just new. This is not something that just recently showed up. This has always been man's uh, situation. Always trying to wrest control from God. Always trying to be more, uh, to do what we want to do and not what he calls us to do. Always thinking that we know better, right? I mean, what is Satan's temptation to Eve in the garden? Did he really say that? Do you really know? Did really know? Do you really understand? No. God is knowledge, but humanity is looking for those truths, looking for that power. We want to be able to determine to do what we want to do. We want to be able to manipulate and control our situation and other people. We want to have all of the knowledge, and oftentimes we'll withhold knowledge. One of the things that I, I hate about Hallmark movies, maybe you love them, and I'm sorry if you do, and, and I, I mostly do, but one of the things that I hate about Hallmark movies and movies in general like that, all kind of romance movies or whatever, they're always like somebody just won't say what's going on. Like they just like, oh, I can't say because I'm going to whatever, and it's like, it just creates more chaos. But we as human beings love to have that secret knowledge. We love to kind of hold it to ourselves and not kind of give, well, if you don't know what's wrong with that, you know, like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Just tell me what's wrong, right? I mean, all guys in the room are going, please, please, you just tell me what's wrong. Um, and <clears throat> before I get in too much trouble, let's move on. We're going to watch Hallmark movies all afternoon. <sighs> Once again, an example of striving for power. <laughs> Control. Uh, so good. Now, the amazing thing about our all-powerful, almighty, awesome God is that he didn't consider that power something to cling to. It wasn't something that he's like, nope, I can't get it up, give it up for nothing. No, no, no. No, we, we read in, in Philippians 2 this reality that Jesus chose to let go of the power that he had as God and chose to enter our world kind of our, on our terms as a baby. And as he did that, Jesus revealed a new form of power. Before Jesus showed up, I think the, the kind of the perspective is that the, what I've shared about power, it, it only was strength. Power was only in control. Power was only in knowledge. It was just, that was power and that was power alone. There was nothing more. But then Jesus shows up as a baby. 
And he reveals a different kind of power. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 and 28. I think you have it up there, yeah. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Jesus revealed a new form of power, a form of power that shames the physical strength of the world, that shames the knowledge and the secret wisdom that human beings have, that shames those who seek to control and manipulate the world around them. And he offers us a power for the weak, for the lowly, for the despised. The reality is of strength, of control, of knowledge. Not everyone has access to that kind of power. We see it in our world all the time. Those that have the power and those that don't. And it's usually a very few select individuals that have the power. But the reality, strength, control, and knowledge, it only can exist with one ultimate being that has all power, all strength, all control, and all knowledge. And of course, that's Jesus. But Jesus arrives and he says, no, 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 there is more power out there. And there's power for the lowly. There's power for the weak. There's power for the despised. There's power for those who seem in our world to be powerless. And what is that power? First of all, it's the power of love. Jesus coming to earth as a baby proved his love for us. Not just that he would come and dwell among us. Not just that he would be a baby insecure and vulnerable. Not just that he would live and have to try to figure things out and, you know, stumble and fall as a two-year-old or one-year-old trying to figure out how to walk. But that he was willing to give his life. Even though he lived a perfect life. And death should not have been in his experience. He chose, because of his deep love for us, to give his life. So Jesus shows us a different kind of power. First of all, a power of love. Second, a power of service. Again, in Philippians 2, we see that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. He showed us that to work for other people's benefit is a form of great power. And it's a power that actually humbles the strength, humbles those who think they're in control, humbles those who think they're wise. It's a, it's a, it's a service that can have the power to control, but not by a strong hand, but simply by love and a care and a service to others. And the third kind of power that he revealed was a power of sacrifice. The power to actually give up our power. To give up our control. The power to surrender our life. As John 15, 3 says, 13 says, 15, 13 says. No greater love is this than one who lays down his life for a friend. The beauty of Jesus arriving on earth as an infant was that he 
the one who was all-powerful, the mighty God, came to earth, letting go of that power and used instead a power that was different, a power that, was, that all of us have access to, the power of love, the power of service, the power of sacrifice. And by perfectly combining those together, he saved us. Amen. Charlotte, this uh, was the first verse that I think was in the list, but Isaiah uh, 9, verses 4 to 6. Let me read that briefly. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle, tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In verse 4, uh, this passage talks about when the Savior comes, the child that is to be born, the son that is given, that he will destroy the power of the oppressors. He will free his people from their chains, from their slavery. And we see this, of course, in Jesus. He has set us free. He came and he set us free from the strength of death. Death, before Jesus arrived, before he died and rose from the dead, death was the end. Death was the destruction of life. All of us knew that it was coming and there was no one who could ever escape its clutches. The moment we breathed our last, death held us and held us there for all eternity. But then Jesus showed up. And Jesus sets us free. He defeats death. Death is a defeated enemy, even though it is something we all still need to go through. As we talked about a few weeks ago, death is simply the, the death of death. It is not the death of life. Because at that time, when we breathe our last, death is done and life begins. In Christ, death has no power over us because we are eternal. The moment we bow our knee to Jesus as Lord, we begin our eternal journey. Yes, death is still around us. Yes, someday we will breathe our last. But again, it's an entrance into all that is life, the eternal, eternal life that we have. And so, no, so, no, so death no longer is something we have to fear. Jesus also set us free from the control of sin. Sin controlled individuals, cultures, and nations before Jesus arrived. Sin was wreaking havoc all over the world and was controlling individuals and nations, causing them to do all kinds of horrid and evil and ugly things. But Jesus, because of what he did on the cross, he set us free from sin. Sin is a defeated enemy. It no longer has power over us. Yes, we are in the last moments of this era, the garbage time, if you will, and sin continues to rear its head and sometimes it seems to get the upper hand on us. But it is not the end for us. Sin no longer separates us from Jesus. Those who are in Christ have all of eternity to look forward to because we know that we are holy in Christ. We are perfect in Christ, not because of our righteousness, but because of Jesus's. And Jesus came to set us free from the wisdom and knowledge of the world. 
Set us free from that defeated perspective that looks just to the things of this world, to try to kind of control things here, to try to kind of make sure that we have the upper hand with the knowledge that we have. Jesus sets us free from that because he offers us wisdom. Of course, the Old Testament tells us in, uh, uh, excuse me, Psalm 111.10, what is the beginning of wisdom? The fear of the Lord, right? But we also see in James chapter 1, verse 5, that if you lack wisdom, this is the great news of those who are in Christ Jesus. If you lack wisdom, you go to your father and you ask him and he will deliver. He'll give you wisdom. Wisdom is no longer controlled by just a few. All people, all who are in Christ have wisdom, have the opportunity for wisdom. In Christ, the world has no truth because we are wise in the Lord. No longer have to concern ourselves with worldly truths, with trying to experience the things of the world so that we can know what the world is like. What what a trap. Young people, if there's a young people in here, do not fall for this trap that you need to somehow dabble in sin so that you can experience the world so that you can have an understanding of what you're missing out on or what you're leaving or what. No, that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Live a life of righteousness. If you're young and you don't, haven't fallen into those traps, please protect yourself. Do not do it. It will, it will, it will enslave you. It will hold you. It will give you uh, regret and guilt and shame. Now, Jesus can release you from all of that, but please resist the temptation of this world to say, well, you don't know anything because you haven't experienced this sin or that sin or whatever. No, no, no. You don't need to experience sin to know that it's evil and ugly and horrible, something to be avoided. So this amazing truth is that we have Jesus, who is almighty. He is the almighty God, has total control, total strength, total knowledge, has it all. But he he gave that up in order to come and live among us. And as he came and, and lived among us, he revealed more power, power of love, power of service, power of sacrifice. And with that power of both the spiritual power of love and service and sacrifice and the power, almighty power of strength and control and knowledge, he set us free. Set us free from death, from sin, and from the foolishness of our world. But understand the reason that he did it. There's some people that believe that Jesus just did all of this so that he could have the control, so that he could be in in charge. Jesus' work actually opened the door for all humanity's freedom. The reality is, again, we were stuck. We were enslaved to death. We were enslaved to sin. There was nothing we could do but sin until Jesus came, paid the price for our sin, and when we bow our knee to him, we then get freedom from sin as well. We don't have to sin anymore. We don't have to worry about death anymore because death is the death of death, not the death of life. And so Jesus came to set us free. He didn't uh, didn't set us free so that he could overpower us, so that he could dominate us. Jesus did not set us free so that he could, he he didn't rip control from sin so that he could control us. He didn't reveal the world's foolishness so that he could confuse us and cause us to be fully dependent on him and him alone. We are dependent on him, but that's not why he did it. He did it because he loves us. 
He did it because he wants us to have the freedom to choose to love him in return. Because of what he did on the cross, we have a choice of who we are going to worship, ourself or Jesus. Because of his work on the cross, we have a choice of how we are going to live, unrighteous or righteous. Because of his work on the cross, we have a choice of what we believe, the deceptions of the world or the truth of Jesus. We have a choice. That's what he died for, to give us that choice. Choice to be able to choose to love him in return. A choice to choose to be obedient to him. A choice to choose to believe and trust and put our faith in him. The amazing thing about Jesus, many amazing things. Another one of the amazing things about Jesus is that he shares his power with us. He allows us, those who put their faith in Jesus, to have the strength of love, to have the strength of service, to have the strength of sacrifice. We have those powers within us. Those who have given their life to Jesus, those who have bowed their knee to Jesus as Lord, those are part of the gifts that he gives. We can change the world through our love. We can change the world through our service. We can change the world through our sacrifice. It has been proven over and over again throughout history, especially the last couple thousand years, people in the church choosing love over hate, choosing service over to be served or domination, choosing <laughs> sacrifice instead of clinging to power. Hmm. How are you using that love? How are you using that service? How are you using the sacrifice, the power of sacrifice that you have? Are you using it? Second Timothy 1.7, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. How are we using the power that he's given us? The war is over. The battle, the war, the battle, of the, uh, the battle has been won. Jesus is the victor. Yet some are still enslaved. This, this ticking clock, ticking down second by second, Till it hits triple zeros is a season of time where there are still people that think that the war has not been won. There are people out there who still are enslaved to death and sin and foolishness of the world. And it is in this time that Jesus is continuing to fight, not to win the war, but to win the individual souls. Of course, we all know 2 Peter 3, 9. 
The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The Lord is continuing to pursue the lost, the enslaved. He's got power to give them the power of love, the power of service, and the power of sacrifice to tell them about how he used those powers, but to also to offer to them if they will simply turn from their wicked ways, if they'll simply recognize his power, his goodness, his love, his sacrifice, his service. And we, as those who have already crossed over from death to life, we are joining him, seeking to save as many as possible. This is a big part of the role of what we are to do in this age, in this garbage time of this world. It's not to try to get It's not to try to be or look more holy. It's not to It's not to build our security in this world. It's to seek and save the lost with Jesus. There's so many distractions in our world. There's so many Christian distractions. It's not that, you know, we do church. We need to do church. It's not that we don't do connection groups. I mean, connection groups are great. Small groups, all these kind of things are great. I'm, that's, I'm not railing against that. I'm not railing against the idea that we need to be able to continue to strive to live more righteously, enjoy that righteousness that we already have. But that is not the point of why we're here. Our time left in this age is a time of joining Jesus and pursuing the lost because they don't realize that they are enslaved, because they don't realize that they, that, that, that they, they are on the losing team. And so we go, we pursue with Jesus. We use the power that he's given us of love, of service, of sacrifice, in order to reach those who don't know Jesus. Are you joining him already? I think many of you are in different ways, with family, with friends, with coworkers, with neighbors, with strangers. Are you participating, seeking the lost? Are you seeking the lost? Do you have eyes to see? Are you concerned with that? Is it something you think about? Is it something you pray about? As I said last night, I feel like the Lord is leading us into a season of harvest, a great harvest. And it's not a harvest of bigger church buildings. It's not a harvest of more people necessarily worshiping in our church or a bigger youth group or more small groups. It's a harvest of lost souls, those who don't know Jesus coming to know him. Are we going to be a part of the harvest? By his grace, he's allowed us to participate with him. But it is a choice. Are we going to use the power he's given us? Power to love the lost. Power to serve the lost. Power to sacrifice for the lost. Are we going to use those powers or not? For his glory, not ours. 
it is a great privilege. We, we get to journey in life with the almighty God. Think about that. The almighty God is walking among us and with us. Matter of fact, he's in us. The power that he has to do whatever he wants, to control all things, to know all things, we have that within us. And so we can step out with courage and with boldness without fear because the one who is, is with us. The one, the almighty God is with us. So don't allow, we don't allow fear to hold us back. We allow the Holy Spirit to direct us and to lead us, knowing and trusting that he will give us the words in the moment. He will direct our steps. He will give us the opportunities. Church, let's continue and begin, if we haven't already, to pray that God would reveal to us those who don't know him around us. And that he would follow that up with not just an awareness that they're there, but the courage to speak the love of Jesus into their life with the courage to serve them, to seek out what their needs are, and to be there for them, and to serve them, and to seek to sacrifice for them. Be willing to give up our time. Be willing to give up our, our you know, blessings. Be willing to give up the things that God has given us and pass them on to those who don't know Jesus yet because they need him more than we do. We've already got him. All right. Are you with me? Amen. Good. Give me some amens out there. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. God is good. Feels heavy. It's not heavy. This is good. This is good news. This is awesome. This is power. We're going to go into communion. So worship team, why don't you come up? What a great way to go into communion. Amen. We have a mighty God who set us an example he set for us an example of what it looks like to have a different kind of power. He is almighty God, but he revealed this new power, power of love and service and sacrifice. I've referred to it several times, but now it's time to read it. Philippians chapter 2, 5 and following. Paul says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Amen. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. This is why we observe communion the elements represent the blood of Christ that he shed for us, the, bread, the body of, his, of Christ that he was broken for us. We observe communion so that we can remember these powers that he revealed to us. Power of love and service and sacrifice. And we don't just remember him and honor him and worship him for that power that he revealed, but we also confess and commit to use that power for his glory in our lives. And so as we take, partake in communion, 
All those who have bowed their knee to Jesus as Lord, we invite you to come and receive the elements as a way to honor and give thanks to Jesus for what he has done, but also as a commitment to say, Lord, I am here once again, and I'm going to use the power you've given me of love and service and sacrifice for your glory and for the growth of your kingdom. Amen. So we're going to invite you guys to come forward. Uh, uh, Derek is going to take one side. I'll take the other. And we invite you to come and receive the elements. Come on the outside aisles, and then you can return to your seats in the, in the, in the center aisle. And uh, once you've uh, returned to your seats, then you can partake in communion, take the elements as you feel led after you've spent maybe some time in prayer. And then uh, we will close our service with a song in worship in response to him for who he is. So let me, uh, let me pray as we move into communion now. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. For, being, for sending your son and Jesus, mighty God. We thank you that you are in control, that you are all powerful, that you know everything. But also, Lord, we thank you so much that you use the power of love and service and sacrifice for our benefit. And Lord, we thank you that you've allowed us to have that power as well. We ask that you would help us as we partake of these communion elements to not just remember what you did for us, but Lord, help us to commit once again to use these elements for your glory, that you would be glorified in our life, that you would allow us the privilege of joining you and drawing others into your kingdom. In Jesus' name. thank you that uh, with the preaching of this word, Lord, you are moving in our hearts. You've uh, been preparing us for the harvest that's coming, Lord, and you're inspiring and encouraging us to be thinking and looking for the lost as well. Lord, we're dependent on you. Our, our eyes are always on you, but as we see you, we see that you are pursuing the lost. And so, Lord, that's the privilege that we get is to, to join you in what you're doing. So, Lord, help us as a church, help us individually to be able to see clearly your face, to be aware of who you are. But then, Lord, to give, as, as we see you lead us to those who don't know you yet, that you would help us then to use the power you've given us, that you've shared with us, the power to share that love with them, the power to serve them, the power to sacrifice for them. Because those are the powers that draw people to you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the sweet worship that we've got to enjoy. Thank you for Advent, Lord. Thank you for your just amazing blessing in so many ways. Lord, may you continue to be glorified and can you, may you continue to inspire us. 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 to 11. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. 
Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, church. Have a great day. If you would like prayer, if you haven't bowed your knee to Jesus as Lord and you feel like the Lord is drawing you into that or you just want to know more about that, please come for prayer. If you need prayer for healing, you need prayer for just struggling with trying to evangelize or or be able to share your faith, come forward. We would love to pray for you. Have a great Sunday. God bless.